Six down, 359 to go. This is at a theater near me. I am Chris, and this is the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. And we, I have some uh, business to take care of right up top. Uh, I mentioned the last episode about snow. So I do want to talk about that a bit. Uh, we have a couple of snow things coming up. Also, we will be, I will be talking about seeing the movies, The Apartment, which I saw at the Brattle Theater in Boston, The Apartment, the 1960 uh, Best Picture winner. And then I also went and saw The Tender Bar, uh, also in Cambridge at a different theater called Landmark. So I'll talk about those things. Also talking about popcorn and movies. Uh, and, uh, but let's get right into the snow suite dilemma, adventure, potential, uh, that, that is potentially going to ruin this, this podcast. I don't think so. Uh, it looks like the snow is going to mostly happen during the morning. Um, so I think tomorrow, tomorrow you're hearing this on Friday. So maybe even snowing when you wake up and hear this, uh, I was going to see the 3 PM showing of come on, come on at the Portsmouth music hall. Uh, I might change that to the seven o'clock showing. Um, so kind of playing that one, but I should be, uh, either way, I should be able to go see it. I would think with no problem tomorrow. However, on Sunday, it looks like sleet is in the forecast. So I've decided call an audible, uh, like the great Kurt Warner might do, uh, because I'm going to go see American underdog. That's the Kurt Warner movie. I was going to see Belfast. Uh, it's later in the day, but I just didn't want to run into a potential ice storm. And then I want to watch some football. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see. I'm going to break one of my rules. It's a top 10 movie. So uh, I could be potentially really fuck myself over here, but I'm going to go see uh, American Underdog uh, instead of Belfast on Sunday. So hopefully that doesn't have any horrible ramifications for me down the road. Also uh, on, not next episode, next episode will be Sunday morning. Uh, but the, uh, the following episode on Tuesday, you might hear another voice on this show. I, I find talking to no one here, uh, more challenging than maybe I had thought. I, I don't know. I feel like the shows, you know, the first three episodes, uh, have been way too dry for my liking. I, I, I think I'm having a hard time kind of being fun and goofy and as light as I want to be with just being me here. So I'm going to have on another voice, a, a, a sidekick. Uh, so let your imaginations run wild with that, with that, who that potentially could be. Uh, I may give more hints next episode, which will also be solo. But then after that, I might bring somebody else on. At least try it out for a while just to try. So it's not just me just being uptight and dry and no fun. Hopefully with someone else here, I can, I can lighten up a little bit, uh, you know, Pop a couple buttons on the shirt, relax, have a couple drinks, have some fun. Uh, so speaking of fun, I want to get us all more involved together doing this. Um, plus, so I'm not so lonely. I'm going to these movies by myself all the time. So come join me. So uh, Cinema Salem, the Cinema Salem quickly becoming the uh, official theater here of uh, at a theater near me, whether they like it or not. Uh, they're showing Back to the Future on January 13th, on th that's a Thursday, uh, at 7.30 p.m. Now, I think this is especially cool because they're going to be talking about, I think, a quick, or I don't know, a discussion of some sort uh, before the movie about the score. It's the Alvin Silvestri score. I think the Back to the Future score is one of my is one of the best ever. Uh, Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, so come out to the theaters and join me and help a theater that I think could use some some help. I think every movie theater right now is struggling. I'm seeing that firsthand. Uh, I have been to I went when I saw Eternals. There was one person in the theater. 
Uh, I've seen other movies where it's been single digits most of the time. Um, so come see Back to the Future with me if you're interested. Uh, it's Thursday at 7.30. You can just buy your tickets right there on the Cinema Salem website. I do want to give a quick warning here. So uh, you do have to wear your mask the whole time. Um, if you're, you know, if you're not someone who's keen on masks, you know, you do have to wear your mask. And I know as of the 15th in Salem, they're having the vaccine card. Now, I don't know if that's going to be mandatory on the 13th. I will say when I went to Sabrina, they did not check my vaccine card. I think it's a, it's a town ordinance. So maybe they'll wait until the 15th to do that. But I don't want to have anyone drive there and then have to show their vaccine card and don't have one or whatever the situation may be. Uh, Judgment-free zone here with, with that stuff. I'd, as much as COVID, unfortunately, is kind of a black cloud around this. You know, no reason to get into that debate here. Uh, so if you are someone that has a vaccine card, definitely come on out. No, nope, nothing holding you back. If you don't have one, I just maybe call the theater ahead of time. I don't know. I said I don't want to speak to their policies. But if you uh, otherwise, all that bullshit aside, come to the theater and hang out uh, with with, uh, with us and uh, come see a movie. It should, should, Back to the Future, you can't go wrong. If you've never seen that theater, it's a must. Uh, I saw it in the theaters when I was five or six, I guess. It's one of my favorite movie theater experiences of my life. Uh, so I'm I haven't seen it since. So I'm very excited to uh, to see it on the big screen again. Plus, Cinema Salem is really cool. It's in this weird mall plaza like I talked about. It's a uh, bizarre place. Uh, but the theater itself is really cool and really cared for. Uh, and they have parking. They have that parking garage right there. Uh, and then Salem has other stuff you can walk to, restaurants, things like that. It's a, it's a cool spot for sure. So come... Uh, come join me if you can on Thursday, 13th. Okay. So I went to the Brattle Theater. Uh, today is Thursday. So I went on Wednesday and I saw The Apartment. So The Apartment is a 1960 uh, film, which I'll review at the end of the show. Uh, obviously, of course, obviously, of course. Uh, and, but I want to talk about the Brattle Theater and that whole experience. So Ugh, parking in cities sucks. It's no fun. Um, and I probably fucked it all up. I ended up spending $32 on parking. I know I keep saying I'm going to get into expenses. I'm going to get, I promise I'll get into expenses on the next episode. I just wanted to talk about, uh, kind of Cambridge itself, uh, and parking there and kind of going to movies there as well as popcorn. Uh, cause both play a, a critical role here, uh, in this show for today's episode. So I, you know, I went to go park. There was street parking available, but you could only, I think only pay for two hours at a time. And the movie I was going to see was the apartment, which was over two hours as it is. And I got there a little early to make sure I would be there. I just didn't want to run into a situation where I got a parking ticket in Cambridge. I just, I don't know how all that works. I really didn't want to, I don't know. So I, I'm like, all right, I'll find a garage. Never thought it'd be $32. Go in there. It's 32 bucks. It was crazy. Like that's, that to me is a why I'm, I mean, I'm in New Hampshire I mean, I get it. I know that's like, that's just how city parking works. I, I, I'm not a total rube. I understand. But that is wild to me. Um, and, and really, for the sake of what this project is and trying to keep it under you know, 10000 for the year, you know, certainly under $1,000 per month, you know, dropping 32 bucks on parking, that, that's, that just, that's not feasible. That can't happen. So uh, I did park there, whatever. At least it was close, relatively close to the theater. It's in right, you know, right in the middle of Cambridge, uh, which is cool. I have a lot of good restaurants there, things like that. So I, uh, it's you walk there and like it's a brick facade, an older building. But the entrance to the cinema though is on on this like a side street, and it's actually low. It's lower than even the sidewalk you're walking on. It's almost like you're kind of looking down, almost like a basement type situation. Uh, I went in. You did have to have a vaccine card. 
for that theater. Uh, I will say, you know, obviously I know January 15th, a bunch of stuff's changing, but I did have to show my vaccine card only the second time in my life. I had to show my vaccine card. I had to show my vaccine card when I was in New York city in August, I went to the comedy cellar, uh, which is a really small, uh, comedy club. They have really great stamps there, but the room itself is quite small. So, I mean, I, to me, I, I understand that. Um, you know, you know, if one person got COVID at comedy cellar, you know, we're all going to have it, you know, before we, before the second person, uh, second act is up. So I, I give my vaccine card and I go in and you walk right into like the concession area, um, uh, like right in, like right. It's, it's a very small room. Uh, and, uh, I went and got my soda and popcorn. So I got my soda. They didn't have Coke or Pepsi or even Royal crown. It was like King Royal or King something cola. It's fucking awful. I, I I don't get this whole off-brand soda thing. That's it's kind of like in all the hipster places. Like you go to certain like real hipster restaurants, they don't have that. They have like their off-brand soda. It always tastes like shit. Royal Crown. Uh, I would have been fine with. Uh, I, I grew up in New York. I'm a Mets fan. Uh, you know, Shea Stadium only had Royal Crown soda in the '80s and into the '90s. It's like they, that's all you could get there was Royal Crown. Uh, Royal Crown, we've had the first diet soda ever as well. So, I mean, Royal Crown, fine. I would, I, I would actually, for the nostalgia reason, would have been fine with it. This weird hipster soda, and it did not taste good. However, popcorn, sensational. Popcorn was fantastic. The reason why they used real butter. Uh, we'll get into the whole popcorn, my, my popcorn debate, uh, the great popcorn debate of 2022 uh, in a bit here. But um, the popcorn itself was fantastic. Best movie theater popcorn I certainly had in this little adventure. Best movie theater popcorn I've had in a long time. Just freshly popped. The butter was fresh. It just couldn't have been better. So if you go to the Brattle, you'd be a fool not to get the popcorn. It's, it's a no-brainer. So I get the popcorn, get my soda. Um, I go up. People, they're very friendly. Uh, and no crazy kiosk like an AMC where I feel like I'm in the future and I got to punch in my thing. I'm, I'm talking to a human being. They give me the popcorn. Very friendly. Let me know where things were. Uh, so I, you know, I get my stuff and so I, I didn't want to be a clown. I, I, I never been there battle of horse. So like, it was pretty obvious. You just go up the stairs. So I'm like, Oh, which cinema do I go to? I don't know what to do. They didn't have a, I didn't have a cinema number on my, on my ticket, but then you, you go upstairs and you walk right into the theater. It's, you know, even, even a goof like me, I realized, oh, all right, well, must be, must be one theater here. Uh, so sure enough, you know, it's, it's a, it's a large room. I took a picture. I posted on Twitter. It's, it's a very old room. Um, it certainly had a lot of character. I kind of liked it. I don't think the picture I took really did it justice. I'm certainly no no great photographer here, uh, but uh, I I liked the the room. Um, it was big and spacious. I felt like I had plenty of room. I felt comfortable. The screen is small for sure, and I guess one reason why I didn't know this until afterwards is they use a rear projector. So they, they actually the projection comes from the back, uh, which I guess is incredibly rare in theaters. Uh, obviously. As you know, projection usually comes from the front, uh, but uh, to have it come from the back, I guess is incredibly unusual. I really didn't notice a difference. Like I wasn't looking for it either, but I didn't really, I thought the picture was quite clear though. I, I, I think I kind of liked it. The only problem I guess is the screen is small, um, but uh, I didn't, I didn't have an issue with that. I don't know if I'd want to go see a, a, you know, a big blockbuster movie, you know, like San Andreas or Spider-Man or, uh, you know, a Christopher Nolan film on this screen. But for what I was seeing in 1960 film, um, I thought it, it did quite well. I, I was very comfortable there. Bathrooms, not great. Uh, you have to, it's like on the side uh, of the theater. So I guess that's one nice thing is you don't leave the theater to the bathroom, I guess. Uh, but the men's room, like it's one of those situations where you open the door and you immediately like 
the door basically like almost like closed when you open it, it opens into like a urinal. So like that poor guy pissing on that second urinal is going to whack right in the door. It's like, no, there's no way you could avoid it. I'm, I'm pretty scrawny. Even I would have gotten, you know, nailed by this door, but then there's another urinal right next to it, but no one wants to, you don't want to pee in that crazy one next to the door. So I, I never liked that. Who, why do that? Why build these urinals so close to the doors? I mean, I understand like, oh, to, to claim to say you have the, the second ring, but that just, it just seems so efficient. Um, but other than that, I, I had a good experience at the Brattle itself. The theater itself, people were super friendly. Popcorn was amazing. Soda was, was not good. Uh, but the, the actual experience was fantastic. Just the headache, man, of like driving into Cambridge. Like, uh, I know the Brattle is kind of my ace in the hole. Like if shit gets really, as far as, you know, with COVID, not having a lot of movies premiere, if things get really bad, I know I kind of always have that ace in the hole with the brattle, but oh man, driving down there, it was just, it's just, I'm in New Hampshire. It's just too far. It's like a big difference in Salem. It's like dudes or Danvers even, that's like 40 minutes away from me. This is like an hour 15. You're driving through ball. It's just that extra half hour through, it makes a huge, and then not, no, not being able to find parking easily. There was enough. It was the first time on this trip of all of six days, whatever. It was like, this is a real fucking headache. This is not, this I don't like. This is too far. So I'm really going to try to avoid the brattle moving forward. Nothing against the brattle. Uh, I'll probably still have to go there a number of times, but at least for the sake of what I'm trying to do here, I, I'll use it as an ace in the hole. I'm so glad they're there. They're gonna, I'm guessing they're going to bail my ass out a number of times here, uh, but I, I just, it's not my first choice for what I'm trying to do here. Okay. So the second day I went to uh, Landmark Cinema. So I was already taping at the Kirk Minahan show that day. So it worked out perfectly that The Tender Bar, uh, which is a movie that's only playing in two theaters locally anyway, is was playing tw 25 minutes from the studio. So, uh, and the matinee worked out perfectly. I got there a little early. I went to like this Jewish deli, right? In Landmark Cinemas, uh, that, like the Landmark, I'm sorry, the Kendall Square Plaza rather, had a good bagel. Had a, had, a, uh, had, had a nice relaxing meal before the movie, so I didn't get any popcorn there. Landmark Cinemas, by the way, great place. This is a hell of a theater. I, uh, you, walk, you walk in, you can get your concessions and ticket. It's pretty basic. Uh, I do have a thing about parking I want to get to in a second. But then you walk into the theater, and it's the closest thing I can say to like having a really fancy home theater feel that I've ever felt in a movie theater. The place was spotless clean. Uh, it looked, I, don't, I just really liked the design. I don't know, even the fonts they used for like the bathroom signs or the, um, just the way the whole place looked was right up my alley, whatever that is, as far as like interior design is concerned. Uh, the seats were super comfortable. The screen was great. The sound was great. I gotta say, of all the theaters I've been to in this, in New England at least, in New York, there were some pretty cool ones too. Like there's an IMAX theater there that has a screen that's many stories high. I guess it's the biggest screen in North America. So that was a cool experience seeing like Gravity or uh, Dark Knight Rises there and stuff like that. Those IMAX films made for IMAX. But other than that, just like the sake of like everyday movie going, you can't beat this theater. This theater is great. A plus theater here. For the, the, I could, you know, maybe next time I'll go, I'll be disappointed. I don't know. But seeing the tender bar at that at that theater, that that theater's experience was fantastic. I just felt really comfortable there. Uh, I was one of only two people, or one of only three people. I I couldn't see uh, seeing the movie there. So uh, it was it was you know empty and quiet, which is great. I like that. Uh, just a perfect matinee. I, it was a perfect experience. Uh, I'll get in the movie in a second. The movie wasn't perfect, but the actual theater was great. Issue there, though, is just getting around Cambridge. However, parking, 
Quick tip. This is a must. You got to get the parking validated if you go to this theater. So, um, you, you know, you obviously get your pass when you walk, when you walk in, if I didn't get my parking validated, we're talking another $32 experience here. But if you get it validated, it's very easy to have like a, like a, um, like a little machine or like a, a barcode reader thing. And you put your ticket right there and it applies that discount and discount breaks it basically brings it from whatever it would be to $3. As long as you get out of the theater from, you know, when you get there to when you leave in four hours or less, $3. So that's not too bad. $3 parking the garage. The garage even has access right to the theater. So you, you don't even really necessarily need to go outside. You can even access the theater from the garage. So landmark cinemas, that's a, that's a good place. I think I may be going back there next week, potentially Although driving to Cambridge. I'm not super thrilled about, but that that's, that's pretty good. So Landmark Theater, great place. Okay, popcorn. So I, I thought I got me thinking about popcorn because I went to the AMC um, and had the popcorn there. And I just did not like it. Just I just didn't like the popcorn. Uh, I just felt like kind of. And then after the uh, the Brattle one, I liked that popcorn. But then I was kind of popcorned out. But then I just started thinking about popcorn movies. Like why is popcorn at movies? Like what? It seems like a very odd choice. So I guess what people really wanted popcorn at movies was like the. 1900s, early 1900s, say 1900, 1920, people really wanted to have popcorn at movie theaters and movie theater owners were like, no thanks. A, it's noisy. B, it's a mess. So they really kind of fought it. And I guess it was the depression um, that made popcorn at movies uh, more of a, a regular thing. The movie, th uh, movie theater owners were finally for it. It was super cheap to produce, and then it was something cheap they could offer customers where they were still making a profit on the concessions. So that's how popcorn became a movie theater staple was the recession. Um, what interests me though is the butter. So I've been saying for a for you know since I was in New York was the first time I saw. I was in New York from 2012 to 2016, and when I was there is when I first saw the like you put the butter on yourself, um, like those tanks. You press that red button and then you put the butter on. I don't like that. So kind of, I didn't like the taste of that butter. And I've been saying for, since I had it, like this butter, it tastes differently. But I did like, I was looking around. I don't think it is different. I think it is the same butter. The difference is I'm actually seeing the butter now put on the popcorn and it's grossing me out because I'm finally realizing, because I'm once again, it's a common thread here in this podcast. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fool, you know? And I, I thought it was butter. It's not butter. Many of you probably maybe know that if you don't, if you're an idiot like me, it's, it's, it's hydro generated vegetable oil, um, which is like usually like canola or palm oil. That's what movie theater butter is. It's butter flavored oil. And I didn't know that until I actually saw like it being like an oil texture. I'm like, this is gross. I don't like that. Now I've seen like, and I think it's, it's been like this. I'm like, is this new? Am I imagining that it tastes different? It's no, it's been like this my whole life. In fact, if you think about like those crazy, you know, like those old school, like you might even see like, you know, friends might have it in home theaters or, uh, or even sometimes you'll see that schools, like if they're having like a, um, for like a, uh, like a bake sale or something or some sort of event, they might have like that popcorn machine. You, you dump the kernels in, uh, in that, in that like aluminum thing up top and they pop and you, you push the lever down and it dumps it into that that's square. I should probably tweet this out. I'm doing a terrible job describing it. But the butter there, though, is that oil as well. Like you put that oil in, that's the butter. So I've always known it was oil, but I don't know if it was some weird denial I was in. I don't know. But uh, the popcorn itself, uh, the popcorn oil, butter itself is not butter unless you get real butter like the Brattle had, which is a total game changer. The real butter tastes, I mean, it's a thousand times better. 
I'm sure it's not very efficient. I'm sure it's really expensive to do. So that's why the major chains don't do it. And maybe people like this oil. People seem to enjoy it. Uh, but ever since I knew it was oil or found out it was oil, I just, it's like when the emperor, you know, the emperor is closed. I realize, my God, the emperor is naked. The butter is not butter. It's oil. Uh, so that, that's kind of ruined popcorn in movie theaters from, to me for, oh, I think, I don't know. We just popcorned out. I'm on day six. I'm already popcorned out. Not a great sign for the future of this podcast. Uh, but that's popcorn in a quick nutshell there. Kind of history of popcorn and movies. And I don't know how much more popcorn I have. I thought about doing a thing next month where I go through, I'll try different concession candies. We could have like a little candies bracket or something like that. Kind of rank the candies. Uh, if, I don't know if you have a favorite candy or not. Uh, and kind of, kind of see what our options are. As far as the candies are concerned, at different movie theaters, um, I think that's a big. I think people, I think more people get candies than you might think. I know popcorn is obviously the big uh, way for movie theaters to make a chill out of money because it's cheap to produce. But I, I do wonder though if the if the candy might might be might be bigger than we give it credit for. Uh, one thing that we definitely have to give credit for is Griffin Lock and Key because they're back. Huge thank you to them. Um, I talked about them a couple episodes ago, but Griffin Lock and Key is a uh, is a locksmith. Uh, works in New Hampshire and Maine. Will even travel uh, depending on the job. But uh, locksmith Brian could not be uh, a nicer guy. He helped me out with. Uh, I told the story a couple episodes ago where I had kind of this, uh, uh, this like a loose doorknob that's been in the house ever since I bought the house. It's always bothered me. The keys never quite fit right. He came over in ten minutes. It's like new, couldn't be any better. Uh, and he wants you to know too, 65% of burglars are already well acquainted with the people they rob. So an important question to ask yourself is how many people may have keys to your house? So don't risk the security of your family by not knowing the answer to that question. So Griffin Lock and Key is here to bring you some certainty. So when Griffin Lock uh, and Key comes to your house, after they change all your locks, give you new keys, you can be certain that each lock was inspected by a professional locksmith and your new keys are one of a kind. Uh, Griffin Lock and Key is certified and insured. He's a certified registered locksmith. Uh, I said, we'll travel to New England for the right job, New Hampshire, Maine. This is a number that I, you definitely should have uh, in, your, in your phone in case you're in that emergency. I know I put them in immediately when I got it. 978-732-3241. That's 978-732-3241. You never know when you need a, like a, a locksmith and, uh, you know, an emergency situation. And this guy's friendly. This guy's not going to, uh, you know, if you lock your keys in your car or do something crazy, he's, he's going to come and just help you out. It's a no-brainer. And if you want to have your locks changed, you want to have your gun safe lock changed, uh, or some, something else, anything else that you think might be lock relevant, Call him. The guy's friendly. He'll help you out. He'll talk to you. You can schedule your appointment today. Or you can go to www.griffinlock.com. That's www.griffinlock.com. If you want to kind of check out some of the stuff he, he's done or he can do for you. Uh, I can't recommend Brian up. He's been, uh, uh, I, he's been a, a pleasant, like I said, I work with two tours for a long time, so I know them. But uh, working with Brian here the last couple of weeks, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't be happy to have him on board. So check out Griffin Lock and Key for sure. Okay, 
So the apartment, uh, get into the reviews here a little bit. So the apartment was made in 1960. It's a a Billy Wilder uh, film. This is a lot of, on this show, it's a lot of Billy Wilder movies and it's a lot of Christopher Lloyd because uh, we got Back to the Future coming up and he was in Tender Bar. So if you're a big fan of Billy Wilder and Christopher Lloyd, and this is the podcast for you. So I'm sure you can imagine, uh, you know, this is good. This, this podcast is hip with the kids. This is a big, this is pretty, pretty modern uh, show here. Uh, Billy Wilder uh, directed this 1960, like I said, uh, one best picture uh, and is on the AFI top 100. I like this movie a lot. Uh, I can see why many people say it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's wonderfully done. Uh, it's not one of my favorite movies ever. It's, it's, I think it's a matter of taste to some extent. Um, or like Sabrina was a very good romantic comedy. I don't know if I'd call any elements of Sabrina, you know, necessarily great. I would say some things about the apartment are, are genuinely great. Uh, the performances by Lemon and McLean are amazing. The performance by Audrey Hepburn and Sabrina is great as well. But this movie does stand, in my opinion, quite a bit above something like Sabrina. There's just so much more to it. It's dealing with some really dark stuff. Um, I won't go too into the plot. I do recommend if you're if you're younger and you haven't seen it, definitely worth checking out. Like I said, it's in the AFI 100. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a movie fan. So uh, I would definitely recommend seeing it. Um, but it's uh, it's about... It's about a lot of things. It's about it's about suicide. It's about um, why do we work? What do we get out of work? It's about image, uh, and it's about love, uh, and it tackles and it's kind of about like kind of living in in the city as well, uh, and tackles all these things without. Even though it's an older movie, it's not as direct as some older movies are. Some older movies are, you know, you have kind of a really overdramatic performances. I know that can be a turnoff for a lot of younger viewers. Like, oh, they see black and white. They think it's kind of these like wild overarching, you know, just at a silent film type performances. Uh, this isn't like, this is much more of a modern film. I know I, I was on Kirk's show and we were talking about the apartment and he, he said this was an older movie and I, I kind of fought him on that, but he's not wrong. This is an older movie. At the end of the day, you know, these movies are 60 something years old, so they are older. But I do think even compared to something like Sabrina, which came out in 1954, this is a much more modern feeling movie. It's not modern like how, you know, and you know, when Bonnie and Clyde comes out, how that new cinema comes out, those Scorsese films like Taxi Driver, and even though it's only, you know, 10 or 15 years newer, it's not as modern as that. And it is still black and white, but it definitely feels pretty relevant today where Sabrina feels much more like, a time ago. This felt, this feels like it could, some elements of this could happen to you. Some of these struggles are things that are relevant even in 2022. Yeah, so I do recommend this. This is probably the best movie I've seen so far on this journey here. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, once we hit 10 films or so, I'll probably start ranking these a little better. I do have the Letterboxd. So if you're on that, uh, that's a cool site, uh, Letterboxd, B-O-X-D. There's one up there right now for this show. If you're have questions about Letterbox? Reach out to me on Twitter, or whatever. I'll kind of explain it. Uh, so someone explain it to me. But it's a cool way to kind of track films you've seen. Uh, but um, yeah, Shirley MacLaine is fantastic in this. Jack Lemmon is superb. Uh, and then Fred McMurray. I guess I want to talk about Fred McMurray real quick before we get into Tender Bar. So if you're my age, in your you know late thirties, early forties, you probably saw Fred McMurray a lot in My Three Sons. Um, so you grew up with him being this really nice, kind, friendly dad. So my three sons was on Nick at Night uh, in the 80s, 
I guess I don't know so much the 90s, but certainly the 80s quite a bit. Uh, so I kind of know Fred McMurray as this very nice man, this great dad, um, this really good person. Uh, but if you watch Double Indemnity, another Billy Wilder movie, uh, which I do like more than this one, um, but this is probably a, a better crafted film. Um, or you watch this movie, Fred McMurray's a dick. Like he's like a horrible person in both movies. Uh, and it's, it's funny to see him. It's funny to see him in, you know, kind of going backwards. So I'm used to him being a good guy. And now I see him as a dick where imagine if, uh, being like a, if someone in the late sixties alive and you watch Fred McMurray be a dick and now you're seeing him be a nice dad. It must've been a completely different experience. Uh, the Fred McMurray experience for those people must've been wildly different. Um, let's get to tender bar a little bit before, before we call it a day here. Uh, tender bar is the George Clooney, uh, film stars Ben Affleck. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll give apartment a B plus here. Uh, tender bar. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give this a, a, a C minus. This is, this movie's a mess. Um, this is not a particularly good film. Uh, it is, um, boring at times. It's meandering almost the entire time. George Clooney is not a good director. I've seen almost all of his films now. Um, I guess by bad luck, uh, and almost all of them to disappoint, whether it be Leatherheads, uh, the midnight sky, uh, you go through the list of monuments, men. I mean, these are just bad, boring movies. He's one of the most boring directors out there. I think he's a fantastic actor. But man, do his films stink. And this one actually should be, is, is, should be awful. This should be a particularly horrible film. The only thing saving it is an amazing performance by Ben Affleck. He is incredible in this movie. Um, it really, it raised it from a D minus to a C minus, just him. I really hope, I, I doesn't, it sounds like he's gonna miss out on another acting nomination. He's never got an acting nomination. He, of course, won uh, for screenplay, uh, and uh, he was uh, one of the producers on Argo, so he won for that. Uh, screenplay, of course, for Google Hunting. And then he did not get nominated for director uh, for Argo. He did not get nominated for um, uh, number any acting film he's, any film he's acted in, excuse me. And it sounds like he might be the odd man out here as well, which would be a shame, I think. I mean, I haven't seen all the, the nominees yet, obviously, but he is so good in this role that anytime he's not on screen, you're just left like, where can we get him back on there? So this is a movie. It, uh, it's going to be on Amazon as of uh, January 7th, which is the day you're hearing this. So I think it premieres on Amazon Prime right now. So you can go watch it. So I won't give any spoilers. But uh, it's, it's kind of a, a like Bronx Tale where you have uh, the first third of the story is from the little boy's point of view. Uh, and then that little boy grows up and uh, you see him kind of as like a young adult, like a teenager, young adult. Um, and Ben Affleck is in more of the little boy part. So you kind of want that. And similar to Bronx Tale, where the best performance is De Niro by far. De Niro, of course, directed a Bronx Tale. Uh, but you want more De Niro. And just like this, you want more Ben Affleck. Now, a Bronx Tale is a much better film. That to me is a B plus film. That's a, that's, a, that's a good movie. This is not by any, by any stretch. Even, you know, even the parts about Robert De Niro and Bronx Tale are good. This is, this is just bad. Um, and it's based on a memoir, and I don't know if they felt, uh, Tender Bar is, and I don't know if they felt kind of obligated to the memoir. Um, it's written by uh, William Monaghan, who of course wrote The Departed, uh, which is a great script, amazing script. Everything he's written since then has not been particularly great or well-received. This is not good at all. 
but Ben Affleck, fantastic. Uh, so if you do check out Amazon Prime, uh, you know, reach out. And I'm kind of curious to hear what your takes are on it as well, um, because this is just a mess. Um, meandering, uh, boring, and then, but at the same time, kind of made you annoyed that you didn't get more Ben Affleck. And at the, the credits uh, end with, uh, I, I almost feel like Cooney knows that. Because the very, very end of the movie, this isn't a spoiler, the very, very end of the movie is a credit sequence um, and they kind of just show the little boy uh, and Ben Affleck and his friends all going to the beach. There's no sound. It's just kind of just playing while well, the credits roll in the background with, with music there. But it's like exactly, I think Cooney realized, no, what we want to see is more of George uh, Ben Affleck and these friends, which is a great cast. You have um, Max Casella, who was uh, Vinny from Dookie Hauser, but he's also in Sopranos. He played Benny. Uh, and the character actors are great in this. Uh, you have Christopher Lloyd. So we had a great cast to work with and everyone does a pretty good job. Uh, even the little kid, I think the little kid's a better actor than the teenager. He's good. Um, the problem is, like I said, anytime Affleck's on the screen, movie stinks. So this will be back on Sunday morning where you'll be hearing uh, my review of Come On, Come On, if I can avoid the snow. Uh, that's probably falling as you're hearing this. And uh, my review of Encanto, my wife, and I will be taking my nephew to go see that uh, on Saturday. Uh, so Sunday morning, we'll be back with a uh, all new episode. Talk to you then.